UFC Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds. Live from the Fight Pass studios in Southern California, it's Extra Rounds, along with Ray Longo and Pearl Gonzalez. Here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Extra Rounds. Oh, it is Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis, along with Pearl Gonzalez and Ray Longo. It has been forever since the whole family has been under one roof, and we are back after an amazing UFC 266. I thought you were purposely trying to separate me and Pearl. I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling good about it. You know, I uh, I tried. I tried to get our people to your people. Well, I tried to get our people to you, and your people, who really weren't your people, kept them away. So, what do you think? Really, I, I had them working hard backstage. It, it's something about, like, the wrong color wristband. Like, I don't I don't know. It, you wow. know, it's, it's a well-oiled machine over there, and uh, extra rounds were just kind of... Uh, uh, a problem, to say the least. We'll we'll learn everyone's name and slowly but surely become everyone's new favorite trio around there. But uh, I, I want TJ. I want you to make that a a definite thing on your to do list because nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. Yeah, when I was, yeah, it was crazy. I was getting a little frustrated. It's all right. I mean, you know, not everyone likes to put in extra work, like extra right. rounds. So they, they don't know. Not everyone works hard. We work hard, right? Oh, man. I think we're the hardest trio there is. Okay, what are you drinking, Pearl? What are you doing? Well, I asked you to decide. So you chose this Golden State Cider, but it's Pamica flavored. It's pretty good. It's it's what flavored? Pamica? Pamica? What what the hell is a Pamica? It's a a Hispanic like drink, the tea. It's like, you know, it's a red drink. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. You've had it. You've had to have had it. If you've been to Tijuana and got tacos, they sell Jamaica. I, I definitely. It's a 5.8% no. alcohol and uh, no sugars added. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. All right. Well, good to know. We've got things to talk about. Main event coming up on Saturday. We've already alluded to it. Tiago Santos taking on uh, Johnny Walker. Uh, also on your co-main, we've got uh, Kevin Holland back in action. He takes on Kyle Dawkins. But before we get to any of that, I want to uh, rewind back to UFC 266. Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Brian Ortega. It was a fight for the ages for a lot of reasons, guys. Let's talk a little bit about Alexander Volkanovsky. He is still your UFC featherweight champion uh, as Pearl Gonzalez just leaves, and I don't know why, but we'll get to that in a moment. Ray Longo, your thoughts on, on Volkanovsky's performance? You know, he gets his hand raised, and, you know, on the scorecards, it looks pretty damn dominant, but there were moments where he came very, very close to losing this fight. Yeah, well, I think you sum it up, but he, I, look, I like what I saw. For, well, look, I, I think that was one of Volkanovsky's better performances for a variety of reasons. I thought he was way more offensive. Uh, he was going for it when he got in trouble against a very, very slick jujitsu guy in Ortega. He maintained his calm and it looks like that work he's been doing with Craig Jones really paid off because he was in a world of shit. And I'm going to say eight out of 10 guys are tapping. Yeah. I mean, it really looked like he was going to tap when he had it on. What'd you say? Do you think that fight was over when he, he latched onto the guillotine as a you, you know, person? I saw it in, right? I saw how tight it was, and I'm like, holy shit. And then you see his legs squirming. And yeah. he's like, he's holding on, and his legs were squirming, and I was just like, um, I didn't breathe for a second. And I don't know how he got his head out. I still am trying to yeah. figure out how did this man get his head out. That's how, to me, all I could say is like sheer will. That man was like, fuck this. I'm walking out of here a champion. I'm going to die before I give this up. 
It's the only thing that could have stopped that because it was it, it was perfect. He Ortega put it on so fast, like there was no stopping that. The way how slick that movement came on, it, it had to have been just sheer will because I don't see how he got out of that. I love looking at highlights of Brian Ortega because he doesn't look like the same person in multiple clips. Like here, he's got sort of normally length hair, and you know, in another one, he's got super long hair, and then in the Korean zombie fight, he's got essentially no hair. Like. He he's the man of many uh, different looks, and one look that just narrowly avoided his uh, reach on Saturday night was new featherweight champion uh, of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Because as you guys mentioned, that uh, the guillotine was very close. There was a point where there was a triangle that that was very close. Um, you know, T City had everything going his way when he had it going his way, and then when he didn't. It was all Volkanovsky. And, you know, looking at that uh, third round, the end of the third round, guys, I'm really curious if this fight would have been stopped if it wasn't, say, uh, a main event title fight. Because Herb Dean had an extended conversation with Brian Ortega in between rounds three and four. And obviously, we know what happened. Ortega arguably, uh, if not definitively, won uh, the fifth round. So he was, wasn't necessarily out of it from a competitive standpoint, but from a blunt force trauma standpoint, it wasn't looking good for the man from Los Angeles. So, Ray, was there any time that you thought watching it that the fight should have been stopped? Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're right or wrong. I thought it was between the fourth and fifth. Maybe it not was. After, yeah. yeah, right, because I think he came out. He looked That's right. like I, I don't think anybody would have complained if that fight was stopped, put it that way. Because even Ortega wasn't really convincing me that he wanted to go back in there. He was kind of just mellow, very mellow answering questions, but I'm not, I'd love to get a, a like a, a body, uh, you know, one of those people that can read your body language and see what they thought about that. Cause I thought he wanted, it wasn't convincing me want to go on and he had taken a lot of punishment, but man, he did when they gave him the green light, he did have a great fifth round and he definitely won that round. So, you know, hats off to him. Look, you know, I went through this. We're in, it really, there's nothing healthy about this sport. You know what I mean? That's why I say, like, it's not, you know, like a lot of times a guy gets hit with those extra two punches and maybe you could have saved him. Listen, the damage is done in the gym. You know what I mean? Like, it's done way before that as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, you want to minimize it, but everybody knows the risks they take when they go in there. And that's all you could do is educate them on CTE and how to train, but they, they know, you know, they know what they're in for. And out of every sport, this is not an easy sport. And, uh, you know, I, I like the fact that he finished the fight, to be honest with you, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it was stopped after the fourth. Yeah. And, and Volkanovsky was really able to make the, the positions that he had dominant, dominant with, with force and impact. And, you know, I, I'm curious if this is something that he sort of wanted or maybe even needed to a certain extent when you look at the public perception of what his status is as the UFC's featherweight champion, because both of his fights with Max Holloway leading into this you know, title defense were pretty close. People argued that Max Holloway had, had won that fight. There, there's no arguing that Alexander Volkanovsky won this fight. I, I think this goes a long way into sort of writing his legacy and, and, and really establishing himself as this force because, you know, when you think of anybody beating Max Holloway twice and dispatching Brian Ortega in the way that he did, you don't think you'd have too many detractors going, well, does he really deserve to be the champion? Not that too many people are doing that, but they can point back to those fights with Holloway and go, well, did he really do enough to beat the champion? 
Right. Uh, look, even as a gauge, I think, uh, I mean, Otega's awesome. He's right there. He deserves the shot, right? But they both put a really good beating on him. Probably, you know, as close as there was, uh, as close as their fight was, Volkanovski and Holloway, is, is, it's the same closeness as how much punishment they inflicted on Ortega. You know what I mean? As weird as that sounds, but right. uh, there's going to have to be a third fight with Volkanovski and Holloway. I think that's after Holloway's last performance against uh, Calvin. I, 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 I don't see how you can avoid it. I mean, he's a, he had an absolutely phenomenal performance, and I thought this was, to me, and not that I've been following Volkanovski that much, but as far as I can remember, this was to me this was his best performance. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, speaking of sterling performances, let's talk about the performance turned in by Valentina Shevchenko, uh, successful again in defending her 125 pound championship. Lauren Murphy was definitely game this time, uh, but it was Valentina that was able to turn it on and get a stoppage. We were talking a lot about her greatness, Pearl. Uh, your thoughts, just again uh, for the record, on Valentina Shevchenko, what she did Saturday night, and what might be next oh my goodness when you when you think of valentina at this point you can't help but think legend one of the greatest female mixed martial artists of all time and she's in her prime she just told us last week she wants to fight forever there she's she's not going away anywhere and every single fight she's improving her confidence is growing i mean compare the the two i love lauren murphy we talked about this yeah. And if you compare the two, even as they were warming up for the fight, as they were calling their names and getting ready to fight, you could see the difference in movement. How just how what's what's the word that I'm looking for? That Valentina is just so efficient in her movement. No wasted movement, no wasted footwork. No, nothing is wasted. Everything is just pinpoint the way she throws her strikes. They're so accurate. The way that she moves and she's in and out of range and she's gauging you and she's she's her her range and her distance and her accuracy, everything is just it's incredible to watch this woman and she's getting better and better as as we see. And then she goes in and then she takes you down. And I mean, she was just taking Lauren Murphy down at will. And so when you think of her at this point, you can't help to think of legend and, and she's soon going to surpass even Ronda Rousey with title defenses in her next performance if she wins. So, you know, like, she's just such an amazing woman. What what an amazing woman to lead the women's division, to lead the women in the sport is Valentina Shevchenko. She's so respectful. She's so traditional. She bows to you. She's professional every, every single, from every point of the fight, whether it be the lead up to it after the fight, she dances. She shoots guns. I mean, she is incredible. And when you think of her, like, you can't help but think of greatness. And um, I, I even had the opportunity to interview her a couple of, of years ago. And we talked about how much she, uh, she travels. She travels very often with her team, which is her sister and her, her coach, pa uh, pa Pavel. And um, every day they train. Her life is revolved around training, yet she still is out fishing. She's out camping. She's on cruises. They travel all over the world. And she said, I always remain disciplined. I stick to my diet. I train every day. Like her life has been dedicated to the sport. She's been competing and fighting since she was five years old. Her mom is the Muay Thai champion in, in their country. 
Her mom is a, is a world Muay Thai champion. I mean, this is a fight family that have dedicated their life and it shows. It shows. And um, I don't know that what is next for her. Everyone's talking the trilogy fight. It makes sense at this point. You know, the division has to catch up. Someone, someone's got to step up, right. you know, and, and they have to evolve and they have to evolve very quickly or else I don't see Valentina going anywhere, anywhere. The, the trilogy fight you are alluding to is that with Amanda Nunez. Nunez does own the, the, the trilogy already being up to nothing. Ray, is that a marketable fight, you think? Or are people willing to put down money and have that be a, a pay-per-view main event? I think at this point, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Uh, and, you know, to Pearl's point also, I, dude, I don't see anybody within the next two or three years coming close to this. That's the problem. I don't, I, I just... There's nobody that's going to come close. I don't write a ruling. It's just that that's the scary part is that she'll do this. She could probably do this eight times a year. Right. I, I yes. really believe that. And uh, as weird as that is, that's why that fight has to be made. It's really just not fair to Valentina. And, you know, like Nuna, Amanda's like absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to say pound for pound. I don't, this is just my opinion because they're both super, super good. Like, there's no question about it. Amanda, though, I think what's going to define her as pound for pound the best is that she at least has the opportunity. She had the opportunity to face the better opponents, right, with the bigger names. And there's not even – that's not even possible. I don't, there's just nobody in Valentina's division – that has the reputation of a cyborg or a Rousey, Misha Tate, uh, the other girl from Holland who's a killer standing up uh, that she beat. What's her Gerandamy? name? Gerandamy. right. You know what I mean? So she's fought people that have huge, fought and beat people that have huge reputation. So pound for pound, that's how I would base her ahead of uh, uh, Valentina, but it doesn't it, it, it's only because of that. Like, right. there's all the, I, I don't know. I can't, it's, it's, it's just weird. I don't know. Valentina's, I, I can't see anybody coming close to her. She's never even been remotely tested at this point. It, so it, that's what she has to fight Amanda. I just don't think it's right. I mean, I think it's right if Amanda wants to come down to 130. That would be fair. That would but be interesting. That's a different twist to, to it. We haven't seen that yet. Handicap. You can't have yeah. it going up. And the funny part is there's people that thought Valentina won that fight. That's how good she is. Right. So That's true. I think Valentina owes it to herself to do it, although I don't feel it's fair to go up 10 pounds. I think five pounds would be great. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm definitely tuning into that fight. He's Ray Longo. I like the idea. Yeah. I'm sorry. I like the idea of the catchweight. I, I do think that we will see next week. Um, we have Dern versus uh, Rodriguez next week for the flyweight. I think that Mackenzie Dern can be can be a good challenge she's a very high caliber grappler uh we haven't seen valentina challenged in in that area uh another fight that would be interesting if we talk about catch weights is a misha tate fight misha tate i believe could make 130 and i think that would be a really good fight as well 
All right, that's Pearl Gonzalez, the other guy's Ray Longo. I'm TJ DeSantis. It's extra rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, coming up a little bit later on in the program, going to be joined by some interviews. Got uh, Jamie Malarkey. He's in action uh, coming up against Devontae Smith this Saturday night. It is uh, all part of that uh, UFC Fight Night card. Also going to be joined by King Casey O'Neill. She takes on a Shevchenko. It is Antonina, the younger sister of Valentina. We will talk to Casey about that matchup coming up a little bit later on and we'll talk to the tarantula Jalen Turner about his big win uh, last Saturday night at UFC 266 but now we are going to change gears we are live on Twitch and uh, we always like to interact with our audience uh, on Twitch so let's go out to uh, our first Twitch question of the afternoon it is uh, from Seafarer74 he asks uh, uh, thoughts on how a Cejudo versus Volkanovski bout would play out I like it you know there's there's some talk and some rumblings about it. Uh, it you know if it if it makes Henry Cejudo you know come back to mixed martial arts I think that's a good thing I've heard some other people say that he doesn't necessarily deserve it Ray Longo your thoughts on a potential uh, Cejudo and Volkanovski matchup well, he 100% deserves it if he wants it. Um, I tell you, I'm, I'm on the Cejudo bandwagon. I don't think there's anything this guy can't do. I don't think he'll be the favorite in that fight. But after everything he's done in the last couple of years, how could you not want to see that fight? Yeah, no, I, I think it's phenomenal. Pearl, I'm, I'm assuming you'd be uh, putting your money down to watch that on pay-per-view? Yeah, I absolutely – I love Cejudo. I always have – I don't know, though. I think that Volkanovski right now has a lot of momentum. I think that he has a lot of momentum right now. Um, he just he's faced some very tough opponents. He's he's on a roll. He, he looked incredible last weekend. He really Did you he really see the movement, the the uh, the feints that he was doing? like the feints to me is what set up all of his striking last week. I mean, they were just they were amazing. They were super efficient. They were fast. You couldn't tell whether he was striking or fainting you. That, to me, that totally took Brian Ortega out of his own rhythm and out of his game. Um, I think that Cejudo will have a hard time with that. I do I do believe that with the striking, the movement of Volkanovski, obviously the grappling, we, we, we know who's the, the better grappler in that situation, but, but can Cejudo get his hands on Volkanovski, especially after a long layoff? That's the question that I would have. Also, the weight. I mean, I'm curious what uh, Cejudo would like would look like at 145 pounds. Um, he, he, I think he would fit in fine there. But like you said, the movement, the the fainting ability of Volkanovski, that would be something that uh, could really frustrate Henry on the outside, trying to close that distance and you know make that a, a grappling uh, fight. I, I'm not sure what it would look like, but uh, again, I'd pay for it. I'd be happy to pay for it. Uh, I, I think TJ too, though, that because Volkanovski's not tall, right. That- plays into more Cejudo. I, I don't think Cejudo would get near Holloway. Like Holloway would just piece him up from the outside. That's what I. That's why I like Henry's chances because that's that's not going to be the problem. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I I I think because of what Henry's done in the last three fights makes that a very interesting fight. And he looks like that guy who gets up on those challenges. I mean, I thought he was going to get killed by Marlon because. Marlon had yet to lose at that point. You know what I mean? Like in a, in a bad way, like he's right. doing that. Uh, but man, he took big shots from Marlon and just walked right through him, man. It was, he's tough. He's yeah. very tough. No, 100%. Uh, speaking of toughness and, and durability, 
Let's uh, talk about two Warriors that took the Octagon on Saturday night. It was a return of Nick Diaz. He took on Robbie Lawler. It was uh, a fight that I, I thought was fun for a, a lot of reasons. It was, you know, two guys uh, in their career now that are not really going to be vying for, uh, you know, title fights or anything like that. It was a return of, of Nick Diaz, who the fans love. I saw more Nick Diaz uh, shirts inside T-Mobile Arena than any other, uh, you know, sort of you know, shirt that could support anybody. It was Diaz uh, in space. And, and Robbie Lawler, always a, a fun guy to, uh, you know, watch. And these guys went to war. But now, you know, the question is, what what did we really sort of glean from the Nick Diaz performance? And, and Ray, I turn to you as the uh, resident coach here of Extra Rounds. We're going to do this segment called Rating Nick Diaz's Performance. Ray, give us the rating. I mean, what did you think from uh, the pride of Stockton on Saturday night? Well, look, I mean, I've always been been pretty vocal i'm a big nick diaz fan but uh for a six-year layoff you got to go with phenomenal all right but as far as who was closer to their original best robbie lawler i mean i thought lawler did a great job as far as man he, he that's not how he's looked in his last couple of fights right nick was throwing so it wasn't like it was easy but it looked like robbie made up his mind that he was going forward and he was going to get what he wanted. And that's exactly what he did. And Nick probably started feeling the layoff and, you know, he was pretty vocal on, he didn't even know how to fight get got made. And I think Nick's, you know, he's, he internalizes that shit. So, uh, uh, for, for six years layoff, he looked great. Uh, but that's about it. Looks like he was struggling. He wasn't the Nick Diaz of old, uh, uh, glimpses, just a little slower, maybe, and he didn't have the the output that he normally has. But we did see uh, it was look what I like about the fight: two guys, thirty nine, thirty eight. You know, it's not Vito Belfort against a sixty year old Evander Holyfield, right? So they matched them up great, and uh, I think it was a fun fight. I, I think nobody's disappointed, and uh, you know, I like the way you know Nick's even maturing as a person. You know, he, I thought he was great after the fight. He's just got a, a, a genuineness about him that I personally just like. And uh, uh, I like both guys. Really, Robbie's a good guy. Spent some time with him. But, uh, yeah, Robbie was the guy that really – he just wanted to win more. Yeah. And he brought it, man. He showed his, you know, maturation himself. You know, this was 17 years in the making. And, and Robbie Lawler, I think, actually did things that if he could have done back in 2004, maybe that night would have been better for him because he weathered that storm. You know, Diaz is always the guy who throws in volume and, and tries to work a variety of targets. And, and Lawler just had the answers on Saturday where he didn't the first go-around. Without a doubt. And I'll tell you, the other thing is, like, just the fact that it was 17 years ago is absolutely mind-blowing. It's yeah. almost it reminds me, what was that movie with De Niro and uh, Stallone, The Grudge? Yeah, yeah, like, The Grudge Match, yeah. I don't even know if that was more than 17 years. You know what I mean? It Seriously. Was, crazy. That is a – so I think it was fun for a lot of reasons. Two big names, both at, you know, the same, you know, chronological – you know, same age. Yeah. And that – it was it was a fun fight. Yeah, they both you know they both made good money, and I'm happy for both of them. They deserve it. The question though is, you know, what is next for Nick Diaz? You know, we we talked about this a little bit on Saturday night, uh, Pearl and I from T-Mobile at, at UFC 266. I like your thoughts on it, Ray, because you know if it were anybody else, I think that the way that Diaz decided to quit 
they may have gotten booed, but, you know, Diaz is a legend. He's a guy that went out there and gave it his all. And, you know, this is one of the first times ever in his career that you'll see Nick Diaz gracefully bow out of a fight. Did he look good enough to be someone that uh, you or, you know, the masses want to see again uh, inside the octagon? I Absolutely. Would, uh... Yeah, I would. I would he, give he him one more shot. He didn't go out gracefully either. Yeah. Sorry, Ray, but he didn't go out gracefully either. I mean, he got cracked in the liver several times yeah. with some really hard body shots. And I think no one is really giving credit to Robbie. Like, I love what what Ray here is saying about how great Rob, Robbie was in his face, no in his range, taking shots and not ba- didn't back up an inch would not get out of his face and was just throwing, was willing to bang, was willing to take whatever shot it took to land his own shot. Like that, if anybody's been in a fight, you would understand how, uh, what's the word, like um, discouraging that can be. When you have someone in front of you and you're throwing these shots at them and you're hitting and you're landing and this person is not backing down an inch, a centimeter, you're like, what the fuck do I have to do to get this dude out of my face? And that was Robbie. I mean, Robbie had incredible pressure. He he would not. He was willing to take shot after shot to land us one shot, two shots, and uh, that ultimately is what led to Diaz being like, "Fuck, I have no choice but to sit down." I mean, he caught like two, three big body shots straight to the liver, or excuse me, body kicks to the liver, and then took took hands and body and body shots to to him before he sat down. So he didn't just like say, "Okay, I'm done." He he was forced. To, to stop, to not want to fight anymore. And, um, you know, you have to give Robbie that credit. I mean, he came out and he was prepared to win. He was prepared to do whatever it took to, to walk out of there with his hand raised. Yeah, and, and and you could tell by even when they changed the weight to 185, he just really didn't care. He was there. He knew what he had to do. I don't think that was even – he said it, and I believe him based on his performance, not an issue. I mean, the bad part about – why well, I say you got to give Nick one more chance uh, is because like, and I'm sure Robbie was privy to this too. Is like anybody I asked how training go, man, I never got a good answer from anybody. People that knew him, uh, I'm saying he, I don't know this, but just based on the reaction I was getting from people that I think were semi close to him, it gave me the the feeling that he wasn't training the right way, you know. So, what, are we supposed to like think about maybe a, a rubber match between these guys as a different op- opponent for Diaz? Like, wh- what do you think, Ray? I don't think uh, I don't think a rubber match. I mean, look, I, I, Nick is look. He's an honest dude. I think he's going to tell you whatever's going on in his head, whether you understand that or not, is different. You know, different story. But he's going to tell you what he's thinking. And even when he said, "I had that coming to me," I mean, that's a I don't even know what that means, you know right. what I mean? But it, it means something to him. And yeah. I think he, I think that kind of shows you he was willing to accept that or he's at, he's just at a different spot now too. You know, he said he likes working with the kids. He wants to be a good role model. He didn't want to talk shit or do anything stupid. He held to that. He handled himself like an absolute gentleman. Uh, you know, you could see him even going over to George in the dressing room. I, I thought it was like a – kind of feel-good moment for me. I really did. I thought there was something refreshing about it. And uh, I hope he gets his shit together. I think even Robbie alluded to that. He said that. I hope whatever's going on, you get it together and you you can move on with your life. And I'm, I'm not sure what's going on, but 
I think uh, if he gets squared away with whatever external factors is going, yeah, I'd love to see him fight again. Not like that, though. Right. It's got to be different. Yeah. You know? I love the idea of, of uh, they were throwing around Cowboy versus Diaz. And I, I love that idea. The other thing is that Nate is, like, very vocal right now. I think today he, he posted, like, he, he doesn't want to watch fights. He wants to fight. So I think that the, the brothers right now are in that place where they're competitive they're, they're maybe their training wasn't at best, but they're they're obviously both together at this point in their life, and they want to fight and they want to compete. And why not? It was it was really refreshing to watch last Saturday to watch that fight. It was like nostalgic. Is that the right word? To yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's the right word. It was it was so cool to see that it was like a piece of you know the old days. And I love the idea of a cowboy fight or or someone you know, another veteran that's, that's been in the game a, a long time. And, uh, that would make that a fun fight. I think that would, that would be a really fun fight. And w- what about like having both brothers on a card? I think that'd be really cool too, to see both, both oh, Diaz brothers fight same night. I like that idea. And I'll tell you that this, the sport and the UFC owes it to Nick Diaz. He's been really big for the sport and I'd love to see him leave with a couple of paydays and right out into the sunset, you know, with some money in his pocket. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, putting money in his pocket would ultimately make money for the UFC as well because uh, no doubt in my mind, that man is still a draw, win, lose, or draw. And uh, At night. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, let's go back out to our uh, Twitch line here. It's extra rounds uh, here on UFC Fight Pass. Um, we already, I think we already saw that one. So let's uh, let's go ahead and do a little quick refresh here. And see if that uh, helps us, because uh, I think we, we already answered that question. So let's uh, do this, and we go like that. And uh, Twitch user Catvin asks, uh, which NBA athlete would make the best mixed martial artist? I don't know. Um, I I mean I can't I can't really tell you I that, that I can name a lot of NBA players. Unfortunately, uh, I do know. Uh, my favorite is Kevin Garnett coming from Minneapolis. You know, he's a Timberwolf finished his career with the Celtics. Um, and actually I think he went back to Minnesota. I don't know. Ray, are you, a, are you a Knickerbocker fan, Ray? Yeah, I was a Knicks fan for sure. I mean, I really have, I really haven't followed basketball for a while, but it would have to be somebody like Michael Jordan, who has that, that frame of mind that the mindset that's going to championship mindset backed with a great work ethic. I think, you know, he already, dabbled in baseball which is very unusual uh so i go with a guy like him somebody with a with a great work ethic i know know, i think um for me for uh striking and me and on this journey that i've been on with striking a, a lot of the striking that i've learned a couple of my coaches have compared the striking to basketball movement and once i kind of i played basketball in uh when i was younger and once they made those connections, there there's a lot of similarities in striking to basketball. The the stance, the movements, the cuts, the turns, uh, the pivots, the feints. And so um, with that being said, I think that any, any NBA player would probably do very well transitioning over into the striking aspect. So we would, you know, uh, uh, I agree with Ray with the competitive mindset. We would need someone that would be willing and limber enough to do the grappling because the grappling you can't be very tight like that you do have to be limber and more elusive and and allow your body to be pulled and pushed in in places it shouldn't go um so i think that any of them though i think any they're athletes they're professional elite athletes i think any of them willing to 
even give it a try, the grappling more so, to be comfortable in the grappling would make a really good mixed martial artist. I know uh, Michael Carter Williams, uh, who plays for the Magic, is a uh, big mixed martial arts fan. Always watching the UFC, so uh, I guess he'll get my pick. Uh, I think he's actually going to be on the show relatively soon. So um, that's my pick for now. Uh, before we get out of here, because we're running short on time, there's two things we got to hit besides the co-main and main event from Saturday night. Rob Dwalashvili, my goodness, uh, gets technical knockout at four minutes and twenty five seconds of round number two. The the first round was just absolutely bonkers. And then Marab shows what a, uh, you know, secret weapon Matt Sarah and Ray Longo can be in the corner. Ray, I have not heard audio from what was going through your mind during that first round, but it, it had to be a roller coaster of emotions for you watching Marab and, and Marlon Marais, you know, just go toe to toe inside the octagon. Man, what a man, what a heart attack that was. But uh, <laughs> no, at that point now. Uh, Matt was screaming to shoot. <laughs> I was I was just watching, making sure, because I knew it didn't look like he was out, so I just wanted him to ride out the storm because I knew once he did, like once they stopped against the cage, uh, you know, Matt said to me, oh, he, he's winning the fight. Once, once he got done with that, there was no way Marlon was coming back, and I knew he would pick it up. So, And, you know, we had discussed during the week I switched gears with him because I was like, I don't know. I just started thinking he's not getting out of this, you know, unscathed. And I used Henry as an example. I go, listen, Rob, Henry's a 125 pounder. He's a little guy. And he walked through it. That guy had to walk for him. He really did. Henry had, I go, you, you're going to have to take something to get what you want. You're not just going to go in there. And, you know, he was thinking and he went back and looked. And then, you know, like the day before the fight, he goes, I think you're right, and I'm willing to die to get that W. Like, and I go, yeah, that's that's that, that's it. And that's why in between rounds, I just reiterated what we talked about. Like, you're gonna have to walk through fire on this one, but you know, like Giga did against Barboza, this is your time. This is your defining fight. Just like for Giga, he came through in flying colors with Barboza. This was a huge fight for Marab, and he he passed with flying colors and just his willingness to even go back and exchange after he was rocked a little bit just goes to show you he you're going to have to kill him to get rid of him. Well, it's one of those fights where I think we learned a lot about the heart, like you said, of Marab. I mean, that the kid's a fighter. Like, there's no two ways about it. He'll- you could point to a bunch of things in this fight that, that proved that and back that, you know, with uh, with hard work. And it's, it's, it's listen, you know, it's that old saying, hard work always – beats talent when talent refuses to work hard, right? And that's the key. Like, Marlon has to correct his cardio before he fights next. That's a, It's evident at this point, you know? Marab's just, he's not stopping. I mean, you see him, he's already back in the gym. I had to stop him from sparring tonight. I had to call him into the office and go, you're not sparring. You calm know, down, like, kid. Jeez. Calm down. Take a week off, you know, which it should be a couple of, but he's that guy. I mean, he's and he's going to get better and better and better because his willingness to throw. And if you saw in that second round, he did knock him down. Yeah. Before he took him down. So he's got some pop on his punch. He's got a long way to go. I'm not saying he's there. But with his kamikaze mentality and balls of steel, he's going to be good, man, because he will sit in the pocket with you. And if he's not taking you down, he's he can get close to you where – his takedowns are going to be that much more effective. No, it was a phenomenal show. Oh Did yeah, your my... heart drop. Like what happened? You know, when he got he got caught with a big shot. 
And yeah. it was instantly. And then it was like, there was so much time left on the clock. And, you know, we saw he was dazed and he was he was struggling for a couple seconds there. Like, does your heart drop in that moment? What what no, goes through your head? Look, they're going to go. They're going to go back. I'm not really sure what the hell they did. All I know is when he was against the cage, I came back. I might have blacked out for a while. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not I'm, I'm not even kidding, bro. They might go back and do like one of those fight things with the cameras on us. I don't know what the hell I was doing. I was just looking and seeing. <laughs> I was trying to will him back to exactly where he ended up. As weird as that sounds. And I know Matt was definitely screaming when he started trading with him. Matt was like, shoot. You know, I was like, nope. you know, it's so interesting you say that, Ray, with the you were willing, because I know that for me personally, in some of my fights where I've been like, oh my God, what am I, what's happening here? And, 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 and like my coach alone has like willed yeah. that fight and willed for me to win that fight. And, that's like the important. such an important piece to this puzzle here is you have to have a strong corner that can pull you back and reel you in. And in the moments where you're like, "Fuck, I don't know if I can do this," your 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 corner ultimately fights for you in these moments. So it's so interesting that you say that. That just brings that back. Like that's how important a great corner, a good corner, is. All right, we're yes. running out of time. Well, you Thank two, you, you just keep talking forever. I'm, TJ, well, if, you know, I'm yeah, just glad. I'm just God, glad it went well. You know what I mean? You have those nights that go good. Some don't, but I enjoy the shit out of the ones that go good. And it was, he's such a good kid. That's why the emotion you felt in the corner from me and Matt, I'm there to motivate him. He knows what to do. We've had a good, we had a great camp. You know, I don't want to get, can't get too technical in between rounds. So I go more with the motivation and he has to believe it too. You know, so it can't come from a guy he doesn't even know. It's just crock of shit. Well, I, I love yeah. the pre-fight ritual in the in the van. What time is it? Machine time. <laughs> yeah, PJ, just just look at how he was laughing. Go back to the end of that. And yeah, he's the guy's going to a major fight. Right, he's like a little kid in the, a candy store. Did you see him? Oh, one hundred percent. Front of the bus, like these are my guys. You Phenomenal. Know? Yeah. Phenomenal. All right, it's a, it's a feel good thing. I got to say goodbye to you guys because we got interviews yeah, coming him. up. Don't all punch right, me. I, I got a pearl. I'm just do, I'm just doing what I need to do to ensure that I don't get fired. All right. BJ, text me when you're done. I got to talk to you about something. Oh no, that sounds terrifying. Okay, Ray. Couldn't call me, Ray. More pearl. Uh, all right, we'll talk to you guys later. Definitely text me though, TJ. I will. I will. Good night, great guys. seeing you. I love the straight hair. It looks like you're curling it again. Yeah, I washed it. It's back curly. All it right. Was, it was Look. Thank you. He can't take it. Look at him. I gotta go. I got things to do. All right. Goodbye. 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 All right. I really gotta go. Goodbye. All right. That's Ray Longo and Pearl Gonzalez. I'm TJ DeSantis. Uh, Tiago Santos taking on Johnny Walker. That is your main event Saturday night. Co-main event takes place in the middleweight division with the number 14 ranked. Uh, Kevin Holland takes on Kyle Dawkins. Do not miss that. Uh, i got to take a quick break. We'll come back with some interviews and wrap things up. It's Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. We told you off the top it was going to be a great show. Look, we don't lie to you. Look at this. Look. Oh. Big right hand. This is going to be over. Out. Cold. Matt has noticed that I am also bald. I gotta move my camera because you look like Cyclops when you move back. Dustin, look, he's he's matured into a great fighter. The biggest bank heist in the history of the world, you're not surprised. He was 
fearless. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters. My next guest has won 12 of his 13 victories by way of stoppage in mixed martial arts, and he hopes to put together another stoppage coming up this Saturday night in Las Vegas. It is Jamie Malarkey. Jamie, pleased to have you here on Extra Rounds. How are things in Vegas? Going good, mate. Going good. Just uh, settled in. We got here uh, last Sunday, um, Wednesday now, so, yeah, feeling comfortable. What uh, was like the camp at, at home? I know, you know, down under talking to people, some, you know, in, in New Zealand, Dan Hooker's had some issues. Uh, are you in Australia for, for this camp? Yeah, I was. Uh, we were lucky enough to get an exemption from the government to uh, train. <clears throat> so I did my camp um, down in freestyle fight gym with uh, Alex Volkanovsky. So, yeah, there were no, no problems with camp. Um, yeah, it was pretty lucky. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is your third time fighting during the pandemic, and obviously things are changing every time out, but uh, did, did this one feel more normal than the previous two camps? Um, getting a little bit more used to the the hurdles that you have to overcome, but um, all in all, it's, it's the same, man. Just, just get, getting into the gym every day and working. Well, you're a consummate professional. We've seen that over the course of your journey throughout mixed martial arts. And, you know, coming off this first win in the UFC, uh, it's really, you know, almost a first win with an asterisk because you were very close to, to winning the, the ZM fight. Uh, I actually scored it for you 29-28. It was uh, a fight that really could, should have gone your way, in my opinion. But how satisfying was it to get that stoppage victory over Kama Worthy and just keep the judges out of it? Yeah, it was very satisfying. It was... Um just like reassured me that I, I belong here and um, got the got the monkey off my back, so to speak. Yeah, and you know that's one thing that I think that people on the outside looking in just don't understand what that pressure must be like. You know, you were in the octagon prior to the the, the worthy win. You've been there. You've you've competed, but you know you didn't have the the fights go your way. Not only to get that first win off your back, but to do so in dominant fashion. Uh, I think fans and, and probably your peers in your division have also taken notice. Yeah, for sure. Um, that that's, that's how I fight, and um, it was like you said, uh, like going in, uh, like having so many wins and doing so well, and then getting there and having my first two win, the first two fights not going my way. It was just um, massive relief getting getting the show, uh, getting the show exactly what I can do. Looking back at that uh, last fight in your post-fight interview, you said that Kama Worthy brought the best out of you. Explain that a little bit to me. What was it that Worthy was able to uh, sort of bring out of you in that bout? Uh, just the way that he fights, like, it excites me. So when I fight these guys that are going to get me up and get me training, like, obviously I'm going to train for everyone, but he brought the best out of me and uh, I really stepped it up last camp. Like, I, I leveled up for sure and I feel like I've done that again this camp. Yeah, with that in mind, a new opponent in your way, Devontae Smith, he poses a lot of problems. If you do the MMA math, though, you have a win over Kama Worthy where he doesn't have a win. Is there anything telling there? Can you gain something from the fact that you have an opponent in common where you own the victory? Um, yes, I know. Like it's a, It is a little bit, uh, gives me a little bit of confidence, and I'm sure it probably like, plays on his mind a little bit, um, knowing that I knocked the guy out that he got knocked out by. But um, again, it, we're... we're this is a different fight. Like it's it's a new fight, so I'm not like 
holding anything to that. Um, I'm just we've got together a good game plan for uh, for Devonte. He is dangerous. He's um, he's got a lot of threats that I've got to be wary of. So we're going to go in there and, and see what happens. You know, looking back at the worthy fight, you know, obviously it's a different fight here coming in with Devontae Smith, but you were able to move in such a way that worthy was, was forced to react and just seemed to be a step behind. Do you feel you're going to enjoy that sort of speed advantage, that movement advantage over your opponents in the future moving forward? Yeah, I'm very fast for the weight class. Like I'm not the biggest, uh, 155er, but, uh, what I lack in speed, I make up for in, uh, uh, sorry, what I lack in size, I make up for it with, uh, speed and power, um, which makes me a threat. It makes me hard to deal with. So it, um, it's definitely something I'm looking to implement. It also makes you, uh, on the short list, I think for a potential, uh, performance of the night bonus winner, you know, when you look at your fighting style, when you are firing in all cylinders, Jamie, no joke. I mean, you're, you're entertaining to say the least, uh, how much is entertainment for the fans? Uh, something that is on your mind come fight night. Uh, it's massive, man. Like I want to, I, I don't want to be, I, I would rather lose a really exciting, insane fight that people are going to remember than win, uh, absolute like boring fight where where everyone's booing and you know what I mean like uh, they're, they're the fights I want to be involved in that's why I fight I want to I want to get in there with guys that are gonna bring the best out of me so that's what I want to do Let's talk a little bit about your standing down under in Australia. Mixed martial arts is, you know, blowing up huge down there. You're definitely one of the up and coming stars that people have to, uh, you know, keep their eye on. Do, do you feel like you're, you know, carrying the flag for Australia? Do you feel like you are the the center and, and focal point of this uh, country at times when you're out there in the octagon? Uh, I feel like I'm just another uh, a part of the the up and coming fighters that we've got coming out of our country. <clears throat> um, I think we're starting to prove that Australia and New Zealand, we come to fight. Um, we're exciting. We, we train hard. We, we fight hard. And like like you said, the, the scene in Australia at the moment, like even the amateur scene is just unbelievable. Like it's reaching new levels really, really is. Everyone's evolving. And um, I can see a lot more young Australian fighters coming out and uh, make it, like making a case to, to Dana White. Well, you're definitely going to you know, carry that flag and, and hopefully inspire the youth of the nation coming up this Saturday night uh, against Devontae Smith. Uh, you know, any predictions? I always hate asking that question because it puts you on the spot and you can't really give away your game plan. But, you know, what's one thing that you expect to be able to, to do in the octagon coming up on Saturday that we should keep our eyes open for? Uh, I think I'm going to control the fight. Um, this, this is a really good stylistic fight for me. Um, I think I pose a lot of threats and... Uh, I, I, I see myself getting that my hand raised. I, I'm not really sure here, but I do I do definitely see myself getting getting the victory and uh, moving on to the next. We'll be locked in early on Saturday for those fight night prelims. Jamie Malarkey, appreciate the time and best of luck, sir, moving forward. Thank you. Cheers for having me. Please be joined now by UFC lightweight contender, the Tarantula. Jalen Turner, kind enough to give us a few moments after this big win over Uros Medic, uh, going down last Saturday night inside T-Mobile Arena at UFC 266. Jalen, how are you doing after this big win, man? I'm doing pretty good, eating pretty good, eating whatever I want in sight right now. <laughs> you deserve it. I mean, well, well-deserved victory, rear naked choke stoppage. Now back-to-back submissions. Uh, you know, I think if we, uh, you know, look at the the prep sheet and it says style, it's still going to say Jalen Turner's a striker. But man, you're you're a ground wizard these last couple of fights. Yeah, man. I've you know I got a brown belt in jujitsu. I just seldomly use it. 
I've been working a lot of groundwork, a lot of ground game, just fixing holes or potential holes that people can see. And man, like it's, uh, it's just been complimenting my striking and complimenting my ground game is just going back together. I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. It is mixed martial arts. You mix the martial arts and mix the styles of fighting. And, and one thing that I think we can say uh, about your ground game is that your striking, whether it be on the feet or the floor, complements the submission game quite nicely. And you had Medici uh, on the run, I think, from the damage that you were hitting him with. Yeah, I, I feel like I hurt him right off the bat with, like, with a few body shots. And then I, I feel like I overpowered him on the ground and... Yeah, I just felt confident wherever the fight went. Even, like, in preparation, I was like, wherever this fight goes, I'm confident. You know, we look at your uh, ability to, uh, you know, strike, and, and, you know, it's not often that we see athletes get in that southpaw versus southpaw matchup. That was the case on Saturday night. How comfortable are you exchanging on the feet with uh, with another southpaw? Um, actually, I, I like fighting southpaws because I get to be a lot more technical. Um, I get to do that, uh, the whole jab thing. Sorry, I got my dog right here. <laughs> Multitasking uh, as, as a father and a fighter as always. You know, you got to do it. Yeah, he's already chewing on something. I'm like, what are you chewing on? <laughs> I mean, whether whether it's a fur baby or a real baby, I mean, you know, you got you got you to hustle. You got to hustle like that. You got to, you know, bring home the bacon for, for dogs and kids. Most definitely. I got two dogs and two kids. I'm trying to keep my kids cool right now. They're going crazy in the room. I mean, wh- wh- what's it like at home on, on Saturday? Like, does your family travel with you or are they watching uh, on, on TV? Um, my mom always goes to like any like local fight she can make it to. She tries to come out for um, uh, my, my kid's mom comes out sometimes like, you know, um, family usually supports. If they can make it out. They make it out. Um, but for the most part, um, people are usually like uh, watching on TV. Okay. Does it does it uh, change the way you feel about fighting, whether you have fans uh, in the crowd or not? Um, nah, it's all it's all the same. Uh, you get more motivated knowing there's people in the in the crowd that support you. Uh, you get a better positive energy, and um, it, it's a better feel. It is a better feel, but it's, at the end of the day, you know, you still got to do your job and, and get it done. However, you got to get it done. Yeah, I was uh, chatting with a, a co-worker of mine who actually said that he was at Jackson's one time and, and you were out there training and uh, sort of outlined this uh, unique relationship that uh, you have with Carlos Connick. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, are, are you close with Carlos? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's crazy. Um, so uh, I fought for I fought for the Southern California state title as an amateur and he happened to be in the crowd. So he was there. He was a special guest. Ended up linking up with him, like, after the fight. Like, hey, what's up, bro? Like, I, I know you're fighting Rival Lawler. Like, if you need a southpaw, some southpaw work, like, let me know. Like, I'll, I'll train with you. And um, he's like, yeah, man. It's like, like, come down, dude. Like, I'll, like, like, I'll, like, just pay for your flight. And then I'll, I'll cover your, your your room. Like, come train to Jackson's. I was like, oh, shit. Like, for real. Like, I was, like, like blown away. Wait, so and, you were um, still an amateur at this time? I was still an amateur. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was it was super surreal. I was working at Amazon at the time. I tried to get like a leave of absence because I told them like, yeah, I'm like going to New Mexico to go train and then they wouldn't give me one. So I ended up quitting my job. Um, you know, I packed up my stuff and I went out to Albuquerque. Wow. But, uh, yeah. I uh, trained with Carlos. I was like under his wing for, for like the time I was there. I was there about like, like seven, eight weeks the first time I was out and dude, like he opened up a big door for me, you know, um, like, like, Super cool dude. Like I got to see what it's like to train like a professional fighter, like 
hung out with him, like met his family, met his kids, dogs. Like he's like, he's a really cool dude, you know? And it's like, as an amateur, I got, I got that, that window to see what the next step was like before I made the next step. And, were, you, um, were, were you a big fan of Carlos's prior to that? Like, did you, cause I mean, that's gotta be a surreal moment, you know, someone as big as, as Carlos Condit, you know, seeing this, you know, future in you before maybe the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Carlos, Carlos always a gangster, you know, I always thought he was dope. Uh, I always loved his style, his poise, like his persona was really sweet. And uh, yeah, I was always a fan. And, and like, even when he was in the crowd, I was like, oh shit, like, he, like I got to fight in front of him. Like <laughs> he's going to be crazy, you know? So that was fun. But yeah, yeah, I've always been a fan. Uh, have you kept in touch with uh, with uh, Tarla, uh, Carlos? Because obviously, like he he just recently retired. Uh, you know, he's he's moving on to the next phase of his career. How did that impact you? Um, yeah, we we weren't like super close after. Um, like we would just like like casual talk on social media. That's about it. But um, yeah, I like told him like thank you for everything he did and and um, you know congrats on his retirement and enjoy it and everything like that. But um, yeah. Let's uh, let's pick your brain a little bit, because if people don't know, this show is on UFC Fight Pass. You have, uh, you know, big access to pretty much every fight that matters. Any Carlos Condit fight that sticks out in your mind? I mean, I think the obvious one, uh, you know, might be, uh, you know, his fight with George St. Pierre or, or Robbie Law. Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, your favorite Carlos Condit fight? Damn. Um, I love his fight with GSP. Um Damn, his fight with his fight with Nick was dope. Um, damn, hey, it's hard to pick. Robbie. I'm not, I'm not gonna... fight Robbie. That yeah. one stands out the most because I actually made a bet on that fight. I was like, Carlos gonna win this fight, and uh, you know they end up giving uh, giving the fight to Lawler, and um, um, the person I made the bet was like, you know what, like like it was. I, I think I think Carlos won, so we'll just leave it at that. And wow. I was like, cool. Yeah, cause we yeah we bet, and that was a memorable fight. Damn, I mean that's that's admirable. Cause I mean, how many times have uh, people torn up tickets because uh, the 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 betting window, the sports book, is not going to be nice when the judges uh, do you dirty like that. So uh, th- that's a good buddy of yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So let's talk about you here. You know, uh, you won uh, you have three of your last four, four of your last five. Uh, you're looking at some of the stats here in the, in the UFC. Um, I, I'm actually seeing that uh, you've taken two undefeated records and added a loss in the uh, the, the the column there. Um, you're doing quite well for yourself. Uh, you know, you you had a, a interesting road here in the octagon. You know, coming off the contender series, finding yourself in there with Vicente Luque very quickly. Like it's been, uh, uh, you know, it honestly surprised me, Jalen, to see how much uh you know experience you've had in the octagon and to in what to me seems like a short time i saw you fight at tachi palace fights you know four years four, four or five years ago something like that uh <laughs> i mean the, the, the experience is uh, it's racking up uh you know sort of size up your journey thus far are you pleased where you're at or are you uh, ahead of any expectations um honestly I, I think i'm a little behind like really but you know yeah i i expect a lot more of myself but you know, I'm, um, everything happens for a reason. It's timing's always, it's not my timing. It's the universe's timing. So. Okay. Speaking of timing, perfect timing. Right. Yeah, you go to school when you're old enough, baby. <laughs> I, see, I love things like this, Jalen. This is real life. You know what I mean? Like this is this is what you deal with every day. It's not all sanitized. 
Yeah. <laughs> so who, who do we got in the background, if you don't mind? That's my son, Josiah, and then that's, that's Kane, my dog, and then a daughter. Right oh, man. There. Full house. Full house. Full like, okay. Look, be honest. Who's the biggest handful of those three? The daughter, the son, or the dog? Oh, my daughter. <laughs> my daughter is the biggest handful out of everybody. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, obviously, a big win. We'll let you go, Jalen. But any idea what might be next? You're, you're stringing these wins, these submission wins, back to back. Now, is there any sort of indication on what might be next for yourself in the octagon? Um, no, I just want to fight again. You know, I just want to get another win in. Just keep progressing, keep winning. Um, you know, I'm just I'm trying to just grow as a fighter, adapt. Uh, been, I put it in my mind that I want to become a champion one day. So. I've been trying to apply myself as no, such. No, I don't see the purple one in here. <laughs> <laughs> There's no I love purple it. one in well, here. Jalen, we're going to let you get back to it. Uh, best of luck with everything, whether it be in the octagon or uh, holding things down at the fort at home. I but uh, we appreciate the time, sir. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it so much. <laughs> Please be joined now by King Casey O'Neill. She's got a fight coming up with Antonina Shevchenko coming up here on uh, October 1st, I believe it is. Uh, October 2nd, actually. Uh, yeah, my time zones are a little bit off here. First off, where are we uh, connecting with you today, Casey? Uh, I'm still here in Las Vegas. I've been here for 11 months now. So, yeah, living in Las Vegas right now. Because I was doing some prep and I just see like all sorts of camps in the past that you've been with, whether it be, you know, back in Australia here uh, at Extreme Couture, Tiger Muay Thai. Like how many camps have you called home over your uh, mixed martial arts career? Yeah, so those three, I was in Australia for a long time. Uh, obviously grew up on the Australian MMA scene. So I worked at Southside MMA with Pasha Stoiler when I was there, which is in Brisbane. And decided to venture out and put all in on myself and move to Thailand a couple of years in. So I moved there and started training at Tiger Muay Thai with the Hickman brothers. Then when COVID started, I got offered a fight and told that if I took the fight, I wasn't able to get back into uh, Thailand. So I kind of decided to bet on myself once again, you know, it worked out in the past. So I did it again and went to Abu Dhabi and fought. Wasn't really sure where I was going afterwards, but I uh, managed to jump on board the USC charter flight back to Vegas, not really knowing anybody here or anything and making it work over here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that it all worked out good because it could have went the other way very easily. I don't think you can be too sentimental with the things that you carry with you. You got to live out of like one bag if you're going to live that kind of life, no? I actually still have maybe 75% of my clothes in the suitcase. So I'm ready to go if something pops up and I need to go somewhere else. I think uh, I live a sort of gypsy lifestyle. You know, the fighting has always been the main goal and anything else I work out as I go. So whether that be where I'm, where I'm at or where I'm staying, who I'm with, who I'm training with, none of that sort of seems to matter as much as fighting and winning fights. So, so I could go tomorrow if I need. Well, there you go. Uh, you got a little while yet until this uh, fight coming up with uh, Antonina. H have you guys ever crossed paths before, whether it be in the, in the same gym training at the same time, or has this name been uh, you know floated to you in the past as a possible opponent? Yeah, we were uh, friends when we were both training at Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand, so we were there at the same time. They sort of came and, came and went a little bit more, and I was there permanently, so... 
Yeah, we we trained together a couple of times uh, on the mats. And then when I first moved here, uh, ran into each other a couple of times at the PI. And we've always sort of been friends, if not friendly with each other. So being in the same division, I knew that it was a possibility at any time. So I didn't let myself get too close. But uh, now it's happening. That's got to be kind of something that uh, you yourself are, are somewhat used to, whether it be at the PI. There's obviously going to be athletes within your same weight class. You're uh, training, uh, you know, in Las Vegas. It's the fight capital of the world. You got to keep, I would assume, sort of an arm's distance away from anyone that is roughly your same weight while while training with people. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm friendly with everyone that I meet through the PI and everything like that, but. Definitely with the girls, I'm a little bit more standoffish. The only girl that I train with in my weight division is uh, Cynthia Calvillo. We've trained together for a long time when um, she came to Tiger. And then when I moved here, she really helped me out a lot before I was in the UFC. So she's the only one that I train with. Also Cheyenne Baez, who's in a different weight class than me. And then a couple of girls from uh, the PFL and Invicta and everything like that. So I'm careful with who I who I train with. If any girls come to the gym and ask for Ryan's, I just say no uh, in case, you know, I get to do it for money one day. So I don't want to give away too many of my secrets. Well, it seems like you're picking up some secrets. You're coming off this uh, submission victory over Laura Procopio. I, I was trying to find a Brazilian jiu-jitsu rank for yourself. I know she was a black belt, but do, do you have a BJJ belt rank? Yeah, I was a purple belt going into that fight. And then uh, the next day after I submitted her, my coach gave me my brown belt. So I'm a brown belt now. Well, well deserved because you had some shades of uh, uh, Gary Goodridge and, and Paul Herrera with that crucifix. You finished with a standing rear naked choke. So it's Matt Hughes and, and, and Frank Trigg. Like, are you aware of some of these uh, like historical moments that you've replicated just in your last fight alone? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up watching the UFC on the couch with my dad. Uh, I think I've told this story a couple of times. My favorite fighter was Phil Baroni, New York badass. I used to have the robe and, you know, strut around the house as if I was uh, him. So from very young, and this was always my dream to be here and be doing this. So I worked hard to make it happen. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like, even just being on a card with legends, you know, like I fought on the same card as Matt Brown now. And uh, Derek Lewis, I think, was on the headliner of one of my cards as well. So it's just crazy, like, the company that I'm keeping now. And, yeah, it really makes you, like, stand back and sort of pinch yourself at how far you've come. I'm curious. Do you have, like, a Phil Baroni accent? Can you, like, say I'm the best ever? I don't have, I can't do any accents because my accent is so strong. Like it right. literally, it sounds so dumb, but uh, I try and do an Australian accent from time to time. I did live there for a long time and it, it doesn't happen even. So no, I could try. <laughs> I was going to say, I think your accent sounds pretty good, to be honest with you. You're well-traveled. So, I mean, uh, I, I think it's, it's solid. A, it's a hybrid accent. I kind of like it. It's mysterious. Yeah, I'm not going to let you get off uh, the hook by saying, uh, you know, you, you, you would try. <laughs> like, I want to hear your Phil Baroni uh, impersonation. What if I... <laughs> okay, but this bit might get cut, okay? All right the best ever <laughs> i can't even do an american it's not bad it's not bad it's not bad i mean <laughs> phil sounds completely in like his own league too he, I, I don't know, even yeah i don't does. even know if it's a new york accent uh at this point but let's it's talk a about baroni accent pretty much right <laughs> like it's his own uh sort of uh background there phil baroni i mean he was yeah. he was one of a, what was it about phil that you liked so much when you were gr growing up 
I don't even know. I think I like I like the robe. I like just walkouts mm. and I love the cockiness, you know. So like Yuani Young Jacek's like my current favorite fighter. So and she's everyone knows she's cocky. So I guess I kind of like the cockiness, although I don't really like to be that cocky myself. I I think it's cool. I kind of like how big of a mixed martial arts fan you are. I mean, are are you glued in front of the television every Saturday night when you're not fighting? Oh yeah, I watch I watch everything. So uh my dad started it. You can blame my dad. He he started me at kickboxing when I was 4 years old and he was a fighter and I'd always go and watch him fight and then even when I was like 13 I cornered him in a boxing fight cuz he took it on short notice and didn't have anybody else. So Wow. So I've grew up around the sport for my whole life and it's definitely my favorite thing in life. You know, it's my escape when I'm feeling down or it's what I go to do every day, no matter how I feel. So, so yeah, with, uh, with MMA, you could ask me, I, I might know, I probably will know, even though my memory is not that good. Cause I get punched in the face every day. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if we ever cross paths, we're going to have to have like an MMA trivia showdown or something. It'll be fun. For sure. I'm down. Let's talk about the next battle, though. Antonina Shevchenko is, is your next opponent. She's coming off a loss. You're undefeated. What do you think about this matchup? Is is this one that makes sense to you? Yeah, I love the matchup. You know, I think that the UFC is doing a really good job when it comes to me. Um, they gave me two fights, one harder than the other, and this is my next step up. So I think that they're giving it to me to challenge me and see, you know, if I am who I say I am. And I definitely believe that I am. So... I love this fight for me, obviously really skilled on the ground myself, but I haven't even been able to show off my striking yet. So yeah, knowing her path, like from the past, from training together and everything, I love this fight for me. That's all I'm going to say. You're going to look across the corner and I assume Valentina is going to be there. You're a mixed martial arts fan. I don't need to explain to you who Valentina is. Is that intimidating at all? Or are you just, uh, you know, blocking that out and you're, you're fighting Antonina and that's it. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure how I'll feel because I haven't been there yet, but I definitely think two Shevchenko names on my resume is better than one. So bring it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean, that, that's almost some Phil Baroni confidence there. Almost. Just a little bit. <laughs> there you go. That, I don't need the accent. I got no. The <laughs> I mean, you got your own accent. I mean, maybe Phil Baroni will be doing a Casey O'Neill accent before it's all said and done. He might. He might. Fun fact, he actually almost fought for my dad one time. Really? But, uh, he asked for too much money, so my dad was like, "No, Phil." <laughs> dang, dang. I mean, were you, were you trying to like, you know, egg a mom? Be like, "No, we can we can get a few more dollars for Phil. We can we can make it happen." Oh, uh, I didn't really get told until after the fact because I'm sure he would have known that I would have done that. So, so yeah, I wasn't informed. <laughs> When did you think that you could become a UFC fighter? Because when you're talking about Phil Baroni way back in the day, I mean, this is the era that Dana White wasn't even thinking about putting women inside the octagon. Yeah, you know, I, I always wanted to do it, but I wasn't sure. I'd been training for a long time when I was young. Obviously, I started kickboxing and just doing jiu-jitsu tournaments and everything like that. But like you said, girls weren't in the UFC yet. But I always knew it was a possibility. Um maybe not in the UFC, but Invicta was around and it was going strong. That was when Invicta was really strong. It had, everyone was in Invicta, Tisha Torres, Rose, Amanda Nunes, all of them, you know, like the, the OGs that came out of there. So uh, I knew that I would get somewhere with it. But then when that first Ultimate Fighter started with the girls and Misha and Ronda as the coaches and everything, I was like, yeah, the girls are in, like, we're here to stay. And, when you watch girl fights, I think we give it a hundred percent. 
sometimes the guys are a little more reserved, but we're always going for it. So I've never seen a female fight that I thought was uh, boring. So I knew we could get there. And I had my first MMA fight when I was 15 from my dad and haven't looked back since. Wow. What was that like? I mean, 15 years old, that's, that's insane. I'd been begging him since I was there, Shane, you know, he started an MMA promotion and I used to work on the door and I was be like, please let me fight. Please let me fight. And at first it was like, you're never fighting MMA. And then I wore him down eventually. Like I always do. I had my first fight at 15, second fight at 16. And then a little bit of a break. Cause I maybe wasn't ready yet. I might've rushed it there, but I'm grateful for that time because I, I definitely took the next two years to really focus and come back when I was old enough and haven't lost ever since. So it's been we'll, great. We'll, we'll close on this. I remember, I think your first uh, UFC fight in your post-fight interview, you were talking about how you had a, a dream that the fight was going to finish the way that it did. And ultimately it, it did. Have you ever had any similar eerie dreams? Like can I get some lottery numbers or something for you, for me, Casey? Cause it seemed like you could see in the future, at least on that night. Yeah, that's the first time that's ever happened to me. I don't know why, but I kept having the same dream over and over again that I was going to finish her the way I did. So I didn't get that lucky that second time around, though. I really thought that I was going to finish that one in the first and I lost the first round. So I was like, damn it. But uh, no one could have pictured that second finish. That's for sure. My favorite number is seven, though. So if you ever need a number try that one out that's a good number that's a good number well if it ever happens again you might want to go tell someone so they can like lay down a prop bet on you and how you're going to finish the fight or something yeah maybe i'll try and call this one i'll start uh preempting it in my mind i have an idea but i'm not gonna let it out yet all right well we'll check in with you after the fight and see if it comes to fruition awesome thank you casey appreciate the time best of luck thank you for having me bye this concludes our live broadcast of Extra Rounds. Are we still on the air? Watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or Facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Oh,